next episode of the podcast. Let me know if you guys can hear me. I'm doing this podcast live on YouTube. I've been doing a lot of live Q&As recently. You know, the way that the uh, podcast was traditionally recorded was with uh, questions that people submitted. Uh, But, you know, doing this kind of live podcast is an interesting way to do it. Um, You know, I just am answering all your questions right here on the spot without, you know, having ever looked at anything. So that's kind of cool. Um, you know, I, sometimes I like to feel good when I do the podcast. I don't like to feel like shit when I record. So, um, today I wasn't exactly feeling, feeling, fuck my feelings, right? You know, fuck my feelings, but I wasn't exactly feeling like doing a podcast But I know I want to do a podcast. I know that's in the cards. Recording a podcast for you guys today was what I was going to fucking do. So, you know, right before I uh, started recording, I just decided, uh, I'm going to take my TRT shot. That'll cheer me up. So... About two minutes ago, I took a 200 milligrams of testosterone cypionate, injected that into my ventral glute. So, I think I noticed like a little bit of a tingling sensation in my lungs too. So, you know, people will wonder, is the cough, you know, they'll talk about trend cough. And it's like, well, you can get the cough from other stuff too. You know, primobolin cough is a thing. It's pretty normal to get like an itchy feeling in your throat after taking primobolin. Masteron can give the cough, but just testosterone. You can get cough from testosterone. The main thing that gives the cough is when you have some of the uh, hormone and oil flow into your bloodstream like immediately on, on administering the injection. So... You know, certain compounds are more um, irritating uh, to you when that happens. And then the the chemical um, excipients or like, you know, like the alcohol, the benzyl alcohol, the sterilants, the uh, solute of the of the injection will get expelled out through your lungs. And so that's why you get that feeling. Um, and certain compounds, certain hormones themselves seem to have different, like, irritating factors with them. You know, Trembolone has definitely the one that is the most irritating, um, and has some kind of thing that, you know, is very irritating with your lungs, you know, some kind of an allergic reaction, uh, which is, you know, once that, so basically if you take a shot and that oil gets into your bloodstream really quickly, you know, it can pass through your heart and your lung oxygen exchange and those, uh, some of those products getting expelled out your alveoli and your lungs and, um, you know, can give you a cough. It it matters like how much of the compound got into your, got into your lungs and is being expelled. And then like, you know, what was the compound? How irritating is it? Is that compound in particular? So that's like, you know, as far as like taking roids and then like getting a cough, 
that's like what happens, you know, it's definitely kind of normal to get a cough. Um, you know, it's not, well, I wouldn't say it's normal, but, but it's, it's not like unheard of, you know, to get a cough. It doesn't only have to be trend. Uh, so usually like a really, really mild version of that would be like an itchy sensation in your lungs. And I just had a little bit of a tingling, itchy sensation in my lungs after taking that 200 milligrams testosterone cypionate shot. And so, you know, one of the interesting things too, is that normally when you take a injection of steroids, um, it sits in the depot, you know, the, the oil goes into the depot, which is the area of the shot, and it has crystals in it, you know, dissolved crystals, and it deposits those crystals, hormone crystals, into the muscle tissue. And then that sits there, and, you know, the oil is then absorbed very quickly, but the crystals, the hormonal crystals, sit there in the uh, depot, is what it's called, the area where the injection, you know, squirted the oil into. And over a period of, uh, you know, if it's a long-acting ester, over a period of weeks, that um, those crystals are then absorbed into the bloodstream and the, the ester is removed from the, the crystals. So when gear is introduced to the bloodstream, the ester is removed very quickly by enzymes in the bloodstream. So... Like, if a testosterone enanthate injection was given, like, intravenously, you know, you don't want to ever do, um, you know, oil into a, a vein on purpose, you know, a large bolus of oil into a vein, you know, that could really hurt you. But, you know, if a person administered testosterone enanthate um, into a vein, you know, if there was some safe way to do that, it would be pretty much 100% active almost instantaneously. So the, the ester, the enanthate ester, would be removed like so fast by the enzymes in the blood once it got to the blood. So, you know, if you did notice a, um, like, if you noticed a little bit of a cough or something when you took like a shot of test enanthate, you can know right then and there, oh, I got some uh, testosterone in my blood like instantaneously because that ester, uh, that means that, you know, the hormone, some of it like got into a vein or something because you sliced a vein on the way in. And, you know, that ester then, once that hormone is in the vein, got removed like almost instantaneously. So, yeah. That's another thing, too, is as bizarre as this is, you know, like, <laughs> you know, intrarectal absorption, there's a really high rate of, you know, absorption. Like if a person, <laughs> let's say somebody's in an apocalyptic situation and they have no access to a, a syringe to take their their testosterone uh, no needle, you know, and they, they can't get it into their body and they want it, you know, but they have no needle to administer it. You know, if they put it into their rectum, <laughs> it would absorb, man. It would absorb and it would be like 
really potent. It would be like testosterone suspension, even if it, it doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what ester it would be, you know, because it would be being absorbed directly into the bloodstream through the rectum. And, and uh, once it was in the bloodstream, the, the ester would be removed, you know, within minutes. And so, you know, whatever type of testosterone was used in that way would have an effect like testosterone suspension. And it would be like very bioavailable and very potent. <laughs> Man, but I never hear anybody... Um, you know, I've I've actually never met anyone who's like given it a go, who's who's given that a try. I've I've never I've never come across someone, but but you know that is the way it works though. Somebody was asking me about testosterone pellets today, because they said that their doctor um, was uh, he wanted to prescribe him you know testosterone replacement therapy um, and metformin. And he was saying that he wanted to put him on testosterone pellets and that it works really good. So a pellet is like an implant and usually they put that in your arm. So they put that like in the inside of your arm near where your bicep is. And it's, it's like an implant, you know, and, and like once it's in there, they like inject it in there with a really large syringe, an, an implant. Uh, of this pellet that then slowly re releases um, hormones into your system. Um, and, you know, so the TRT works that way. And, and so, yeah, I, I mean, a, a pellet can give really good testosterone blood levels, you know, really stable levels, you know, it'll last like maybe six months, three months or something like that. And it will be it will be, um, you know, releasing daily testosterone into the person, um, a metered dosage like that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't want that. You know, I don't know why everybody's always got to be screwing around with the way that the testosterone is administered. You know, intramuscular injections work really good. So, you know, you know, using cream using some kind of nasal thing, using subcutaneous injections, using an implant. What the fuck is the point of all that shit? I mean, it's just gotta be another way to make money or, or, or to, to have something new so that you stand out and you're doing something new. Because the tried and true method, you know, the intramuscular injections is superior. It works really good and it allows you to control it. It's not too much of a pain in the ass. But, um, you know, it, it freaking works. It works really good. And uh, so, so, you know, the one thing too with the implant, the pellets that they shoot into you, you know, you're going to have this thing in your arm. And, and you're going to be like... I've got a thing in my arm and you're going to be able to feel that thing in your arm and it's going to leave a scar too. So, uh, I don't want any pellets. Okay. I don't want any pellets. I don't want any implants. I don't want any technology being, um, injected into my body and I'm going to make damn sure that that's not happening. <laughs> So that's my take on it, you know, stop screwing with it. Stop fucking with my testosterone, okay? When I, when I, you know, I, I am prescribed TRT, you know, 
and um and and you you probably should be too you know if you're a steroid user and um you know you should look for a doctor that is just going to give you the damn injections dude like you know if you're finding one and he's like no i won't give you the injections be like all right well fuck you and 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 go find a different doctor who is a better match for his patient like you uh you know better match for you his patient because you know let him screw around with these alternative methods of applicating testosterone with somebody else i don't think you want to do that um all right uh you know dalton asks you know what's the best way to get liver enzymes in range after a bad reaction to superdrol so <laughs> you know whenever there's things you can do to help your liver but you know you have to remove the offending agent that's really what fixes the liver enzymes and they fix pretty fast so what you'll notice if your liver is messed up the two things you'll notice is my brain isn't working right i'm fatigued i'm tired for no reason and my eyes look weird you know your eyes might be watering or they might be bloodshot and you'll have that you'll have like a foggy fuzzy head you won't be able to like think right and you know even your vision might be a little bit weird and you'll be fatigued you'll be tired all the time and you'll be wondering why these are all signs of liver stress they're anecdotal signs that you'll notice when you have liver stress and uh, you know the eyes are a big one you know you'll see a lot of guys who are using a lot of orals or using you know a lot of orals for too long usually that's the problem like you know because orals are are really fun to use so and and they're really potent and so it, it's like and they have really good effects too you know and they're they're cheap so you know there's a lot going for orals and um so people will be like well you know i want to take gear and i just want to be on orals all the time so they're, they're pretty much on orals all the time you know they'll take some breaks here and there but a lot of the times they're on orals and what you'll notice with these people is their eyes will be a little weird. Um, you know, normally they won't have like a nice crystal clear uh, white of the eye or the part of the eye that is pink that is like near their nose, that inner part of the eye that is not white, but it's pink near the nose. Um, it will be like red and inflamed looking. So that and then like bloodshot eyes or like really veiny eyes or gray kind of eyes, yellow eyes uh, on the whites, just the whites being screwed up. That's what you'll see a lot of times with people who have chronic liver stress from steroids. So, you know, um, even at high doses of injectables too, you know, they can cause liver irritation. Like, you know, if you have like some like pretty your liver is like really under a lot of strain and you've been taking orals and your liver is not happy at all with you um you know it's probably not going to get all the way better unless you actually do a full cruise where you're on 200 milligrams of testosterone or less per week um you know it it's it's the more any hormones get processed by the liver it doesn't it you know but some are, are toxic and then others are not but like the 
also workouts are like really stressful on the liver. Workouts deliver a huge stress to your liver. Um, and, and so, and so it, it really like, you know, cruising, like taking a week off of the gym, two weeks off of the gym, um, going on a legit cruise or just stopping everything for a month and then starting back up, you know, if you're trying to get your liver back to like normal and you know, that's definitely the quickest way to do it. Um, you have to remove the offending agent, like stuff when you remove the offending agent using stuff like milk thistle and acetylcysteine tudka um l-glutathione injections um you know that will help you that will help the liver to heal quicker but those kind of things don't heal the liver so you can't just keep the offending agents in and then start taking those things and have the liver go back to normal. Uh, the only thing those will do is that when you're already, like when you're taking the offending agents, like oral steroids, for example, if you're taking those like liver supplements or liver aids, they will delay um, how long it takes for your liver to start uh, having uh, dysfunction, extreme stress, etc. All right, so let's let's look at another question. Let me bring up bring up the chat. Um, you know, somebody talks about the heart damaging effects of DACA and how to prevent it. Um, electronic raisin. That's a that's a pretty cool name. Um, so with the heart, you know. That's the main thing, you know, with anabolics that you got to watch out for. You know, people, it's important to be looking at your blood work. And, and, you know, blood work can tell a lot of things about, you know, the status of a person's health. But, you know, have you ever heard of a bodybuilder dying of liver failure? I mean, that's like unheard of. But have you heard of a bodybuilder dying from a heart attack? At a young age? Have you heard of a bodybuilder dying from a stroke at a young age? Yeah, absolutely. That's what kills all of them. So really what you're looking at with bodybuilding as far as like from like what is the thing that you, you know, from a dangerous health perspective, like what are you looking at is you're looking at heart damage, heart effects. This is the main risk factor of steroids and getting hurt from using them. Um, so, you know, blood pressure is one. If you maintain chronic high blood pressure, you're going to damage your cardiovascular system and you're going to damage your heart. Um, another thing would be, you know, having high LDL cholesterol levels, but that's debatable. There, there's a lot of debate on, on cholesterol and, you know, because what happens is, you know, cholesterol, LDL cholesterol specifically can form plaques when there's like inflammation in the veins and there'll be like inflammation in the veins and then, you know, the LDL cholesterol will come along and it'll kind of like attach to the infl inflamed spot in the veins 
and then there will be plaques formed that then narrow the veins, narrow the arteries, etc., the circulatory tissue. Um, but, you know, what caused the inflammation in the first place that then allowed the LDL to attach there, you know? Or was it just having high LDL cholesterol levels? So, you know, the cholesterol thing is not something that's 100%, you know just known like this is the way it is you know with cholesterol so you know there are some markers of um, internal inflammation vein vein inflammation artery inflammation heart inflammation so the main one that you want to look at is the c-reactive protein level the crp on the blood test um, if you have an elevated CRP on the blood test, uh, you want to get that down um, because that is going to result in plaques, you know, because if you have that inflammation in your veins and your arteries, um, you know, and then combine that with um, a bad cholesterol, a high LDL cholesterol, then you are 100% for sure going to be accumulating uh, plaques in your circulatory system. Uh, so that, that, that's something, you know, you know, plaques in the circulatory system are something that, you know, it's a plague to bodybuilders. It's a plague. Yeah. It's, um, that's one of the main things, you know, atherosclerosis, circulatory disease, cardiovascular disease, heart disease. This is something that really affects bodybuilders. So, you know, they, you know, what are some things that cause uh, high CRP? Well, you know, your diet, you know, if you have a high inflammation diet, um, that can be definitely a contributing factor. You know, eating a lot of carbohydrates, having high insulin levels uh, causes a lot of, it causes a very inflammatory state in the body. Um, you know, and then, you know, eating very low carbohydrates is the opposite. It causes a very low inflammation state in the body. So there's one thing. Um, another thing would be using um, synthetic oils, um, using, you know, non-natural oils that are um, injected, you know, as the carrier oils for the steroids. So like migliol, ethyl oleate, um, other artificial uh, oils that uh, are being used to spend the gear, you know, not stuff like, uh, you know, the good oils that are good to use is stuff like castor oil, uh, peach tree oil, um, cottonseed oil, grapeseed oil, you know, any kind of natural and very high quality oil, you know, not something that was bought, you know, at the grocery store and then had benzyl alcohol added to it for a sterilant. So, you know, the quality of the gear really matters. And these are things that, you know, separate even, a, you know, separate a UGL from a pharmaceutical grade product, you know, is the quality of the inactive ingredients, how high quality they are. And that's going to have a major effect on your health long term, if this is something you're using long term, um, which most people are who use this stuff. Um, so, so that, that's, you know, some mitigating factors or some, some just things to look at, you know, with your heart health and, you know, so then you, you have to look at, um, you know, what is the state of, um, the plaque in my circulatory system and how you get that checked is, 
you get a cardiac calcium scoring test, or you get a, another name for it is called a heart view scan, heart view scan or cardiac calcium scoring test. It's like a, an MRI on your heart. You don't need a prescription for this. You can just call up the hospital and, uh, you know, the first hospital might not be able to do it for you, but if you call up a few, they'll be able to do it for you. And even in America, um, you can do this without a prescription and um, it'll be less than a hundred dollars to get this test done, but it's, it's in like a, you know, one of those machines that is like a CAT scan, CT scan type machine. You know, it's one of those white donut things that they kind of slide your body inside of and then they take cross-section images of your heart and your coronary artery the main artery with your heart and um they look for calcium plaque deposits there and they're able to tell you how much calcium plaque deposits there there is and give you a score on this test that tells you like how advanced you are in progression of um, like cardiovascular disease, plaque in your circulatory system, um, what is the state of your heart, you know? So if you're looking for like mitigating factors and, you know, knowing like when, when to stop, when to calm it down, when can you feel more comfortable blasting, you know, having a cardiac calcium scoring test done would be something that would be very beneficial. You know, you're talking about reducing heart risk factors, um, you know, re re reducing uh, risk factors of heart damage, you know, reducing the risk factor of dying young from a heart attack, from a stroke. Well, you know, even more important, uh, in my opinion, than looking at blood work uh, to do that would be to have imaging done on your heart, like this cardiac calcium scoring test, so you can see what kind of state your heart's in. What's the main thing that's killing bodybuilders? Heart stuff. So that's good that you're looking at your blood work and everything. You're making sure your system's overall healthy. You're checking out markers, different different uh, markers that could signal that it, you know if something's not good or not. But the only way that you're really going to know uh, about your status with the main killer, the main danger of bodybuilders, the heart, is you got to get imaging on your heart done. So then the other test that you can get done is the is the echocardiogram. And the echocardiogram is when they look, they take a um, they take an ultrasound of your heart. And they can do this with you running on a treadmill. Um, that's called a stress test echocardiogram, and that's the most comprehensive, that's the most extreme. Uh, and this requires a prescription from a uh, cardiologist. So this is harder to get. Um, but it's really interesting and really cool, beneficial. So what they do is, is they look at all the chambers and the valves, the flaps inside of your heart, and you can actually see it. Um, you know, I've had it done, and you can see your heart in real time, live on the screen, inside your heart. You can see all the little freaking valves and flaps moving, the chambers squeezing. You can see how thick it is how thick the chambers are, you can see if you have cardiomegaly, you can see if you have left ventricular hypertrophy, you know, you can see if there's any kind of um, uh, regurgitation, any kind of malfunctioning with any of the flaps, the valves, any of the chambers, you know, and then a cardiologist looks it over 
and you know you know really looks inside your heart at everything that's going on in there and tells you you know what's the state of your heart you know how's the function and uh you know so if you have you know damaged um structures of your heart uh, or or some kind of defects or something you know some kind of uh something you were born with maybe that makes you more susceptible or something you've damaged over time from using steroids like such as cardiomegaly or left ventricular hypertrophy this will be instantly apparent when you take the uh echocardiogram or the echocardiogram stress test so when you ask you know how do i protect my heart when you know i'm doing bodybuilding well you you should you should get those tests done uh, a cardiac calcium scoring test and an echocardiogram test and and these just should be something you get every every couple years every few years or something like that you know so you can see see what's happening see if you need to pull the plug see if you feel like you're good to continue going um and then, and then, you know, uh, I, that, you know, that, that pretty much, that pretty much says it, you know, that pretty much says it there, there's also, you know, some agents that can, you know, reduce, um, calcium depositing in the body. One's called famotidine, famotidine. Uh, I take it, I, I take 20 milligrams of that per day. Um, it's a chelating agent, calcium chelating agent, uh, helps prevent, uh, plaque. Um, from being laid down in your body. So that's what I have to say on that. Let's get to the next question. Um, all right. Have you ever been in Bulgaria? I, I have not, but I'd be interested to go to Bulgaria. Um, I'd also be interested to go to India. Um... Okay, so Greg asks, I know your favorite dose of metformin is 2,000 milligrams. However, is that necessary for someone doing 2 to 4 IU of growth hormone per day, or is 500 to 1,000 at evening sufficient? Well, you're going to notice much more powerful muscle effects from the higher dosage. The lower dosage, 500 to 1,000 milligrams per day, is more of like insulin sensitivity like as far as like not having your blood sugar levels go very high and then also as far as um like like it's good for like fat loss you know it's good for fat loss keeps insulin levels down because in insulin you know insulin is the storage hormone so when insulin levels are really high you know it's it's basically impossible to burn fat and and um you know, you know, it totally negates the process of lipolysis chemically. It neutralizes it when insulin is high. Um, so metformin makes you produce less levels of insulin. And these, um, these lower levels of, uh, met, of metformin are pretty good at that, you know, decreasing the amount of insulin that you're producing. Um, but the higher levels you know, 2000 milligrams of metformin has very powerful effects in your muscles when it's combined with growth hormone like you're using. So the, you know, because it makes, it makes you do more with the insulin that you have. So it makes you really damn sensitive to insulin. 
And so now your natural insulin becomes more like a performance enhancing drug because you're so sensitive to it. And what you'll get is like more spider veins on your muscles, uh, freaky spider looking veins, uh, very small squiggly veins, uh, very extremely full muscles. You know, the way that you used to look when you were pumped in the gym, now you look like that just walking around without a pump because you your muscles are so pumped up with glycogen pressing up against the skin and, you know, more potent fat loss too with the higher dosage. So the higher dose of metformin, you know, if you're not using uh, growth hormone, if you're using steroids only, I think metformin's benefits pretty much tap out at about a thousand milligrams per day. But if you add HGH, uh, you go up to 2,000 milligrams, and man, that shit, you know, when you, the combination of HGH plus 2,000 milligrams of metformin produces some really incredible effects, like, especially if, you know, you're a guy that doesn't want to take insulin, uh, which, which I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think it's good to take insulin, you guys. I don't think that's good. I think you're, you're really playing with fire there. So, you know, but, but if you want to have like an insulin light effect, insulin like effects or an insulin light version, <laughs> you know, the quick, the closest you're going to get to that and getting effects, you know, that could be like, yeah, it's kind of like using a little bit of insulin or something. Um, it, you know, and the main effect of that is muscle fullness, muscles bursting against the skin, more extreme veins. Um, you know, is going to be, you know, using higher dosage metformin and, and the, the beneficial effects of metformin tap out around 2000 milligrams per day. So, I mean, if I would take, you know, four units of genotropin pen, nortotropin pen, and, uh, I wasn't using metformin, if I went and added in 2000 milligrams of metformin per day, it would be a night and day difference, motherfucker, in the way my body looked. All of a sudden, I would go from being, like, big looking to, like, very freaky and detailed looking. And it would be in a matter of days, five to seven days. So... I know they talk a lot of shit about metformin on the internet, you know, but a lot of guys that talk shit about it are secretly using it, okay? <laughs> and and then another thing is that a lot of motherfuckers are using insulin, you know. You know, very unwise. You know, you know, why do you have to go there? Why do you have to go there? You know, going to insulin use. Well, they they say because it makes me so much bigger. It just makes me so much bigger. There's nothing like it. That's what they say. And you really have to ask yourself at that point, you know, how bad is your muscle dysmorphia, motherfucker? Because, you you know, once you introduce that insulin, you know, uh, it's doing very powerful things in your body, um, you know, in addition to the weight gain, you know, in addition to the, you know, acquired diabetes risk, um, you know, 
when we're talking about inflammation in the veins, inflammatory factors, an inflammatory internal body state, uh, IGF-1 levels that are just way too high, organs growing, cardiomegaly, stuff like that, um, you know, taking uh, and, and then, you know, having like, you know, extreme plaque, stuff like that um, because of inflammation. And then the inflammation uh, gives way to having the LDL cholesterol attached to those inflammatory inflamed areas. You know, we're, we're talking like really upping the risk, man. When you, when you add the insulin in there, you're really upping the risk of what you're doing. Um, so, you know, I don't think, I, I think people should ask themselves like, yeah, is it effective for getting big? Fuck yeah, it's effective for getting big. But it's like, how much do you really have to do, man? Like, why do you have to go there? Is you, you know, cause you can build a hundred pounds of muscle with just uh, steroids and growth hormone and, and, and everything. And like, do you really have to go to this, this area where it's like no one other than other bodybuilders thinks you look good, man. Like, you know, your muscle dysmorphia is so out of con fucking control that, that like, you, you know, <laughs> no one wants to look like you except for other people who are into bodybuilding. You know, you've gone past the realm of, of what a, a normal person wants at all you know that that's the look of what of what insulin produces so i mean yeah you know if you want to win competitions etc you may have to do certain things you, you know which is sucky and you know the the judging for that should change so that that's not necessary because because that's that's shitty it's not even a good look you know once there's too much hyperplasia on the muscles anyways they just start looking like styrofoam because once those muscle cells start splitting too much and, and they, you know, you get too many new muscle fibers, you see this look on people, the, the muscle just loses its integrity, you know, where one muscle starts and the uh, stops and the next muscle starts, it all kind of just blends together and you become this big block. Um, and the muscles have this kind of styrofoam hollow look to them. It's not dense, granular grainy it's more styrofoam puffed up um weird and and it's a progressive thing too like the longer you're using it the the worse it gets the more you abuse it the worse it gets you know so guys are going to start using that shit you know and they're going to start and they're going to be thinking oh this is the greatest you know i got so much bigger and and they're going to get all into it and then you know down the road they're going to have consequences and they're going to be like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> like, my body's fucked up. My organs are two or three times the size they're supposed to be. Too late, buddy. You made a, you made a bad choice, man. So, so that, that's what I think about that. That's what I think about that. And, and, and you know, you don't get any of those problems if you use metformin. You know, and, and which can give you a light version of those effects. You know, you can use um, growth hormone, metformin. You can use uh, steroids. You can build a shitload of muscle, man. And, you know, you can place well in, in classic physique competitions, etc. You know, 
You know, you can do all that without using insulin. You can look fucking phenomenal. You can look too big for the normal person, where the normal person isn't going to want to look anything like you without having ever touched insulin. So that, that's my, you know, that's that's what I think about it. That's what I think about it. Let's get to another question. Um, the Real Scott says, do you still think you need a, to take a gram of test to get massive. Well, you know, most, hold on one second, I gotta get a drink. All right, so most everybody that has tried out 500 milligrams of testosterone per week for their first cycle, not super impressed by what it did for them. You know, that's what they're gonna tell you is, yeah, I, I noticed a boost. I got bigger. But they they're not they're not raving about it. They're not being like, "Man, I know what it's like to be on steroids now." You know, steroids are awesome. You don't really hear that about 500 milligrams of testosterone per week. So then you get people like adding other compounds in. And then, you know, you'll start hearing like, yeah, it was good, you know, so maybe he added in two or three hundred milligrams of, of Tran or he added in 50 milligrams per day of Winstrol or, or Anadrol, 100 milligrams of Anadrol, 30 milligrams of D-Ball, 50 milligrams of D-Ball. I don't know. But now you are getting up into the gram per week range or, you know, in the case of some of these really heavy hitters like D-Ball or like Tran, you know. You can multiply the strength of whatever milligrams of tren you took by five to get the effect of testosterone. So if, if you're, you know, roughly 300 milligrams of tren is about as strong as like 1500 milligrams of testosterone. Um, so, you know, if a guy's saying like, oh yeah, I took 500 tests, 300 tren, well, you're on the equivalent of about 2,000 milligrams of testosterone, buddy. So if you think you're all like mild or something, and then, you know, you're like, uh, you know, blowing a gasket when someone takes a natural non-toxic -hormo non hormone like testosterone that is the safest hormone for you to take um, with the least, um, you know, health health issues with it. And you're going, you're insane. You took 2,000 milligrams of testosterone? You're insane. Well, look, buddy, you were just taking 300 milligrams of Tren, which is about 1,500 milligrams of testosterone, and, and what it does, and it does, you know, it does, it definitely has very toxic effects, you know. Definitely is cardiotoxic. Definitely has effects you know you know and people say oh my blood work my blood work fuck your blood work man there's more stuff going on than your fucking blood work okay and uh so so they, they have that they got their 1500 milligram equivalent strength there and then they're taking 500 milligrams of test and that and then they're blown you know so they think they're all they're all cool you know with their 800 800 milligrams of roids per week but 300 was trend so it's really like you know they were taking 2,000 milligrams per week, and then somebody blows a gasket when somebody, uh, you know, is taking 2,000 milligrams, you know, that's like, oh my god, it's unheard of 
to be taking that much testosterone per week, you, you know, you, you know, what the fuck? You know, you're so backwards. You're just spouting this. Sh you're just spouting the orthodox shit. You know, it's just something new. It's just something new. And so in your little echo chamber that you have of, of you know, what you're used to hearing on the Internet and what you're used to hearing pro bodybuilders repeat to you and what you're used to hearing in the gym, all of a sudden your little echo chamber got disrupted. Your little echo chamber got disrupted. Your little echo chamber got disrupted, bitch. And now you're like, you're like freaking out. You're all, you're all, you're all uh, acting like some, you know, like uh, some hen. You're acting like a hen and you're gossiping, you're hooping and hollering about these uh, gram of testosterone or two gram of testosterone, one and a half gram of testosterone. You're insane, man. You're insane, man. Fuck you. You're taking, you've been taking all this trend and all this other shit. Now, just because somebody takes a high dose of the, the hormone that is the most healthy hormone and they're taking, you know, it fucking works, by the way. It's, it's the least, it's the least risky hormone for you to take for your health. Okay. And, and, and uh, you know, just because it's different than what you've heard and your little echo chamber of what you've heard on the Internet of what you should do got disrupted, now you blow a gasket and you think people are going insane or something like that. Man, you don't know fucking shit. You don't know shit. You don't know how this stuff works. You don't know how this, this shit works, all right? You're, 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 you are just somebody who reads things. You're part of the masses. You're part of the masses and you repeat. You repeat things. You read things, you hear things, you consume the mainstream opinions, and you repeat them, the motherfuckers. And, uh, <laughs> man, <laughs> you gotta think outside the box, all right? Maybe you should, like, you know, maybe you should, like, uh, you know, okay, may not maybe you shouldn't, okay? I'm not gonna advise this, okay? Maybe you should do something psychedelic. Okay, maybe so you can open up your mind a little bit, okay? Or or you know what? You know what? If you want to do a natural psychedelic way, yeah, you should just stop eating for 48 hours or 72 hours, okay? Because that makes you get a little psychedelic too, you know? Makes you free, start having crazy thoughts. Think outside the box. Think about some kind of sentimental, some kind of weird, some kind of shit. Uh, because, I mean, I mean, yeah, so fasting is like, is like a natural way to have like psychedelic experiences. It fucking is. That's why religion religions do it, you know. But uh, you know, that's beside the point. I'm kind of joking, you know, about like maybe you should have a psychedelic experience or something like that, you know. But I'm just trying to say that you guys that you know are just so opposed to testosterone, like man, you guys have got some kind of like mental deficiencies like <laughs> like like you it's 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 this groupthink thing you know you're you're caught up in groupthink and 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 you're not willing to research things you're not willing to go and see for yourself you know what are the effects of these things
test it out yourself. You're just too afraid to move out of the mainstream of what everyone else is doing. You're just too afraid, man. So you're stuck. You're stuck. Stuck in your little echo box, your little echo chamber. All right. Let's let's uh, move on to another another question. All right. Um, you know, Oreo Gorilla says large cycles. Is it better to be running multiple compounds um, at smaller doses, or only one or two at um, you know larger doses? And so this is a good follow up to the previous question. Okay, is is that you, you know testosterone is going to be the one that causes you the least problems with your health, like long-term problems, okay? And, and so keep that in mind. There are other hormones, though, that are very good muscle builders. And, you know, taking different types of hormones works good. You know, you know taking smaller doses of a lot of different types of hormones rather than really huge dosages of one or two hormones, you know, the, the, a lot of different types of hormones at lower dosages, you know, that add up to a, a high total dosage is going to be more effective than only one or two hormones at super high or, or at high equal dosages, because you get different metabolic pathways for the anabolic process, uh, metabolizing food, um, protein retention, et cetera. Um, that are happening with multiple with multiple hormones being used like that. So, uh, you're it, it's going to be more effective from a pure bodybuilding uh, standpoint to use a plethora of hormones rather than just one or two hormones. You know, as far as like safety, you know, it, it, and we're talking about building muscle size here too, because getting big, getting really big. You know, using higher dosages of hormones is like very, very effective for that. And uh, it's not going to do it alone, though. It's not going to do it alone. Certainly is not going to do it alone. You know, if you, you know, like we said in a previous podcast, you know, it's a very delicate balance. You know, you have to have all three going at the same time, training, diet and gear all at the same time or else the whole thing is fucked. And, you know, you can take as much fucking gear as you want. And that's not going to make you big if your training and diet isn't in the right place. So, you know, there are going to be guys who are taking enormous amounts of gear who are not the size that they should be, you know. So that's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm saying before I talk, you know, and say things like, you know, taking a lot of gear, taking higher dosages of gear is very effective in building muscle mass. It's effective uh, provided, you know, the other two components are correct, you know, but if they're not correct, then, then it's not effective. Um, so, uh, you know, DECA, um, Equipoise, Primabolin, those are the, uh, hormones that are the le the next least toxic over the long term and are going to have the least effects of damaging, uh, a person's health over the long term used at, you know, significant dosages after testosterone. Testosterone is the healthiest one with the least long-term, um, you know, likelihood of, of long-term harm. And then after that, um, it's, it's, uh, in no particular order, DECA, Primabolin, and Equipoids. 
And so you want to be, you know, thinking about these, those three hormones and testosterone um, as far as, you know, like a, the most sustainable possible um, way of, you know, doing what's necessary and, um, you know, you know, really pursuing bodybuilding if that's what you're doing and getting really big. Uh, you know, you want to really be utilizing those ones. And then you got other stuff too, you know, that, that works really good. You know, like you've got growth hormone. Growth hormone makes everything work way better, makes all your steroids work way better. You can get so much bigger on growth hormone than you can get not on growth hormone. Um, you know, you know, and then you have other ones too, like, um, you know, but these are ones you want to use more sparingly, you know, so there's, there's stuff like Anadrol, there's stuff like D-Ball, there's stuff like Trenbolone, there's stuff like Superdrol, Winstrol. Um, Anavar is pretty good too. And, and, you know, probably out of all the orals, Anavar is probably the least, you know, the least toxic one to use, you know, significant amounts of, or, you know, if you were going to use, um, in, uh, orals a lot and you had to choose one that was, you know, like a low, lower toxicity, you know, but it's definitely not, um, lower toxicity on a scale of like, you know, compared to DECA, Primabolin, and Equipoise, you know, so Anavar is in the, the next tier over, you know, that oral tier, you know, you know, so Anadrol, um, D-Ball, Superdrol, Tren, you know, and, and if in that tier you were talking about which one is the least uh, risky, you'd put, you know, for long, over the long term, then that's where you're putting Anavar. Mm. And someone was asking, too, what are the best PEDs for women? So I appreciate that question, and I appreciate the female listeners to the podcast. I definitely want to help you guys. Um, so, you know, I'll just tell you right now what most women use, you know, and just mention, too, that a lot of women are taking steroids, and, you um, you know, a lot of women <laughs> that you don't know are taking steroids, are taking steroids. And a lot of them are, are, are injecting steroids. So NPP is very popular for female steroid users. Nandrolone phenylpropionate, fast-acting nandrolone injection, uh, primobolin injection is also popular. So is equipoise. Um, all three of, of those anabolics are definitely popular. Um, Anavar is definitely the most popular, um, and, um, you know, Winstraw is, is pretty popular too, you know, um, pre-contest, uh, it's pretty common for women to use Proviron, uh, Novadex too, um, and, and even, even like Letrozole, you know, they'll use Letrozole, uh, pre-contest, you know, so now we're kind of getting more into competitive, com uh, competitive female competitions, you know, we're, we're looking more at, you know, diuretics. Um, we're looking more at, um, um, you know, stronger androgen, like, uh, you know, stronger male hormonal stimulation, like proviron, um, looking at anti-estrogens, Nolvidex, letrozole. These are commonly utilized. Um, you know, the, the, probably the, the two most commonly utilized, uh, pre-contest diuretics are diazide, um, and, um, furosemide. Um, Lasix, um, you got to know, you know, with using diuretics, you got to know what they're doing. Okay. So if, you know, cause they're messing with your electrolytes. So 
if you are messing with your electrolytes, which um, is how your heart beats, um, you know, runs on electrolytes, you got to know, you know, how to fix that if something goes wrong, okay? So, so don't just start popping diuretics and thinking you're going to be okay, because uh, if you don't know, like, the antidote to your diuretics, you could run into problems. So be careful with that. Um, you know, though, though, you know, so we're kind of talking about, you know, hormones, male hormones that females use, but, um, you know, clenbuterol is the best thing for women to use with like, you know, the lowest side effects, the lowest long-term problems, um, clenbuterol and HGH, the, those are the two best PEDs for women to use. And then melanotan 2 as well. Melanotan 2, you know, a lot of women, you know, they're trying to lose weight. So melanotan 2 is going to take your appetite away. So it's going to, it's going to freaking take your appetite away. You're not going to eat if you're taking melanotan 2. You're not going to be able to eat and you're not going to want to eat. So very effective very effective for somebody who, you know, is uh, somebody who has problems sticking to their diet, you know. You know, but usually if you have problems sticking to your diet, it's because you're, you're addicted to carbohydrates. Very emotional subject. If I ever talk about carbohydrates, you guys get so upset. I know I'm talking about your drugs. <laughs> you know, and you're not going without your carbohydrates. I know, you know, you're addicted to the modern diet and you have dysfunctional fat cells. And so, you know, when your body runs out of glucose, uh, you know, your fat cells are not able to effectively start uh, releasing fatty acids into the bloodstream to take over as the energy source. So even though you've got a bunch of fat tissue on your body, um, as soon as your glucose from your food runs out, you're in a state of internal starvation uh, because those fat cells are just not releasing their fatty acids and you're not able to metabolize them. So until you heal yourself metabolically, um, doing what's necessary for that, which we can talk about at another time, um, you are going to be totally, hopelessly addicted to carbohydrates and what do carbohydrates do? They spike insulin levels. What does insulin do? It has a direct effect on shutting off lipolysis, shutting off fat burning. If, if insulin goes up, fat burning is off, motherfucker. It is off. So, you, you know, <laughs> you, you know, a, a low calorie diet is, is another way of lowering insulin levels, you guys. It's just another way of getting insulin levels lower. And so weight, you know, weight loss happens. Um, you know, you know, we could really get into all that. We could really, really get into all that. And the other thing is that, you know, when insulin re gets released, you know, what is the action of insulin? Well, it's to get rid of, uh, sugar or glucose from your bloodstream and put it in the cells. So what happens when insulin gets released? Uh, you feel fucking hungry because now all of a sudden there's no more energy in your bloodstream. So then what do you want to do? You want to eat more? So, you know, if you can't stick to a diet, it's because you're eating too many carbohydrates. Your fat cells are damaged from eating too many carbohydrates. 
and you 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 have you have a huge you have a massive addiction to sugar that you have to destroy sugar glucose carbohydrates all the same words so that's what's going on there and you know that's how to help people you know because we were talking again about like you know a drug to overcome a problem you know but it's, it's a naturally solvable problem if somebody you know has problems sticking to a diet it's it's because they have carbohydrate addiction um and and you know metabolic damage um so so that that's what's you know going going on there um and and you know rather than uh turning to a drug which is going to be a temporary solution that's then going to rebound and the problem is going to come back you know after they stop taking it they're going to have their appetite back again or they're going to be addicted to you know or dependent on this drug then in order to destroy, you know, their appetite problems, it's much better to take care of the problems at the source um, rather than using drugs to uh, cover up your deficiencies. All right, guys, so that's the end of the podcast today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Bodybuilding Podcast. You know, I am working on the second book, you know, Ultimate Guide to Roids 2. Don't keel over dead. You know, it's more than two-thirds done. And, you know, I'm looking forward to bringing that out for you guys. Um, if you want, you know, the best information on all the PEDs, um, how do you, you know, you know, in, in, you know, the information you're looking for all over the Internet, you know, all in one place, um, you, you know, the first book, um, Ultimate Guide to Roids by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Um, you know, there's a link to it, you know, in the description for this, or, you know, you can go to bodybuilderinthailand.com and it's the first article on the homepage. You know, you can go read like 10 or 15 pages from the book there. Very protected information, you know, information, practical information, you know, real information, you know, information that what everybody's looking for and and you're being it's being hidden from you on the internet you know as you know from listening to the podcast that's not what i'm like i'm gonna give it to you straight i'm gonna treat you like an adult i'm not gonna treat you like a child and give you the information and let you decide what to do with it so that's what's in there in in ultimate guide to roids ultimate guide to roids one you know that's available now you know you can Click on the link to it. It should be in the description wherever you're listening to this or watching this podcast. Or, you know, you can go to bodybuilderinthailand.com. And, you know, it's the first article on the homepage. You know, you can go read, you know, a lot of sample pages. Excellent, excellent, valuable information for it. Book's very cheap, too. You know, I made it, afford, you know, the price, you know, to make it affordable to everybody. Even in third world countries, you know, it's, you know, less than half the cost of what a freaking average vial of steroids costs someone, you know, so <laughs> save you, could save you a lot of money, a lot of heartache, um, you know, reading Ultimate Guide to Roids by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Um, and then other than that, you know, if you guys want uh, to get on the phone with me, uh, you know, I do the phone call consults um, and the one month daily uh, text messaging for bodybuilding coaching, 
on uh, on WhatsApp. So, you know, if you want to do one of those and you want to get in contact with me, just send me an email, steroidspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get back to you and we can we can set something up, all right? So it's good talking to you guys today.